0: comes ahead back and forth with patch now stevenson kicks it in and will count
1: live from the finley chevrolet fox sports las vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com from the draw nicholas haig rifles it home One-time shot from Haig. Vegas ties it 3-3.
2: This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Ladies and gentlemen, it's
1: been a process today. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what everybody calls uh, the working through a regular season of a professional sports team. It's the process. you got to get to that uh, uh, point where everything just falls into place, but it's a process to get there before it, uh, it kind of becomes easier. That's what today has been for Darren Millard and Brian McCormick and Chris Chapman. As we all come together for the VGK Insider Show, Sam and Ash will join us for the Legal Minute in just a little bit. Dan Duva is going to stop by. Uh, he's got a great conversation headed our way uh, with Brian McCormick as we broadcast from Studio 31 with McCormick and Millard and then back at the Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, studio, uh, Finley Chevrolet studio on the 215, home of the...
3: Yeah, Brian, you may want to cover your ears for this, but... Woo!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I walk into Studio 31, and uh, after <coughs> being at uh, at Lotus Broadcasting, and Chapman looks at me and says, uh, I didn't know you were coming in today. And I said, well, I... I Ryan Wallace is is on assignment today, and I said, well, I wasn't going to but because I I didn't want to do the show by myself. I've had just one of those hellacious weeks. And so I wasn't going to do the show by myself, but McCormick signed on, so now I'm going to do it. But (laughs) but then I find out Chapman doesn't even think I'm in it. I show up at Lotus Broadcasting, and I find out that McCormick's actually doing the show from City National Arena in Studio 31. So I jump in the car and drive over here, and now we're going to talk some hockey.
2: Isn't it amazing how you can literally just walk in the door – Sixty seconds before airtime, and it's like, all right,
1: let's go. Let's hockey show. Yeah, you
2: don't need ten minutes to, to gather yourself right after it.
1: Well, because I did it all last night. Well, in, I d- in watching the game.
2: I wasn't even entirely sure what your affliction was. So the fact that you're walking around at all is impressive to me. But on top of that, the fact that you were going to take the day off and then found out that I was going to be here, and that, that that gave you the inspiration mm-hmm. to come in. That's that's what an honor. It
1: just it wasn't <laughs> going to be fair to Chapman that, that I did the show with Chapman. We 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 needed uh, a another uh, body that's, uh, that's in, in the loop of things. Otherwise, it would have been a, a real grind. I, I had kidney stones uh, earlier yeah. this week. And let me just say, if, if the biggest comparison uh, to a kidney stone is when uh, our, our dearly beloveds uh, go through childbirth. That's the comparison then, I've heard. Uh, like <laughs> Honestly, like oh, men, the next time you bitch or complain about anything, <laughs> anything, and you're a parent, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to have a word with you. Because I, I was I was and, and thank you to everybody at Summerlin hospital for right. for, for taking care of me and uh, and Jen the other day because Jen didn't know what to think as I was in the middle of hours floor and uh, the ER room was amazing and uh, I thought my crying days were over and, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not too <laughs> tough of a man to admit that my crying days apparently are not over and Did I'm looking give you something thing, to bite ju- down on or oh no there was there, there was biting there was screaming there was yelling there was a full-on moaning whining it's it, it, it uh, words cannot describe how painful it is and you don't it, you, you don't like you cut yourself you can go oh that hurts yeah i'm looking at it you don't know what's going on i i
2: I'll tell you what. My, I felt bad for people. My dog bit my toe last night, and I was going <laughs> to come in here looking for some sympathy. That's, just, that's not going to happen. C- come on here. Let's have a word. Let's have a little bit yeah. of a word. I, well. uh, my, my mother had four kids, and uh, and you look at me. I you know I, I was a 12-pound baby, and somehow they decide after a, a year. You were 12 pounds? Uh, 12 or 11. I was on the larger side. I, yeah. I've, I've not shrunk since. But the the comparison of what you went through to that is somehow you know a year later she said you know that wasn't so bad let's try it again I assume that there will be no point <laughs> where you were like oh kidney stones Nah, it wasn't so bad like, I
1: went off the <laughs> off the soda in seconds like, is new no
2: is that what what over time leads to it apparently I'm in trouble
1: yeah so am I like, I'm, I'm doomed uh, this is, but but here's the thing everybody's got a story yeah <laughs> Like as soon as you say that you've got you've gone through the old stones, uh, tunnel, it's like, everybody's got a story. Like, I, I had it. My dad had it. Lawless is telling me about his pops. My dad's got one. My my father in law's got one. My like, everybody's got a story.
2: It's like it's like you know, I had a wisdom tooth pulled. I had yeah. three pulled last three, summer. Three
1: pull, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I really don't care whether you had three wisdom teeth pulled. Because I want to forget about my wisdom teeth.
2: Well, being so I don't want to make you relive this. We'll, we'll allow you to move yeah. on. But I, I am just curious. I talked to Jake LeCision uh, earlier today yeah. about a number of things. And one of them, just his, his first goal. I was like, no, what would you do with the puck? And usually it's on the mantle or they give it to mom or something. Did you get to keep the uh, the products no. of your labor?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know whether it I, I still don't know where they, they go.
2: Okay. I you don't, don't get them in a jar, no, though. they're it, not sitting can, at home. Because <laughs> the
1: painful part is, is like uh, uh, exiting the kidney. That's the painful part. Yeah. it's it's not even like the other stuff. Uh and I won't get too into depth but it's like it's just in your stomach. Yeah. You know, I literally went from uh, feeling positively glorious wanting to go to the park to play volleyball to flat out done. <laughs> and, and and here's the worst part. Nobody really I'm sorry for laughing. Yeah, no no no, you're you're right. You're right to laugh. And Chapman, yeah, I know you're laughing too. It's fine. Of course uh, I am. Yeah, and and you should laugh uh at this because here's the thing. It's the most painful thing that a man can go through. Physically, I'm convinced of that. Because if there's anything beyond that, like done, (laughs) I don't want. I don't want to see it. It's the most painful thing. But it's 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 not like life threatening, as far as I know.
2: Yeah, I I imagine. Yeah, if it goes unresolved over time, I imagine. I guess.
1: Like if you have 15 of them in a row, it might it might just like. Oh do something. But uh, it's as far as I know, it's not life-threatening. Right. So nobody really has that much sympathy Sympathy, yeah. Here. Those that haven't gone through it. But if you've gone through it, then it's
2: the one-upmanship game.
1: <laughs> I don't want to play one-upmanship.
2: Well, and again, this is a Tell scenario me. where you should be able to go home and go to your wife and say, hey, I've got this. Affo-. You're not going to get sympathy from her. She's like, you no. want to talk about pain? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no.
1: No, we adopted our kids.
2: Oh, that's so, right. So, so Silly me. I apologize. She didn't,
1: no, no. she didn't go through it. So I, I so You should get that sympathy. I then. have bragging rights in my house. Yes. But if anybody else has, uh, uh, like, if you've you've had your your kids on a on a natural, state, and right now my wife's driving over here going like. Uh, she's gonna be a conversation yeah. when we get home, yeah. But uh, but no, I've like I actually have bragging rights right now when it comes to like she's had a couple of uh, other complications which we could compete on, but right now, I'm you're flag, in pole position. I'm, I'm the flag bearer yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, well.
2: Yeah. And that makes it all worth it. Last night,
1: I am not going to lie, was a, like, just get through one of those shows. Yeah. And it wasn't just because uh, I was working with Gary. I love working with Gary, and we had tons of fun last night. But it was just one of those fogginess. You're still a little bit on the uh, on the lighter side of the uh, pain relief. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and, and you get through it. And at one point, I thought. Am I hallucinating? Was there <laughs> six goals in the second period?
2: And you know what? For that, I mean, the first intermission gives you gives you work to do. But at least for that, not the outcome that VGK fans wanted, of course. But at least you had a highlight driven show.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Something so the, to talk
2: to. It, it worked. It worked out, kind of in against us, because the
1: first period, the Leonard was outstanding, mm. and he was in such control, and he just looked, he looked beautiful out there. And I'm talking him up with Gary. Like, it, it, sometimes uh, Robin can make it look so easy. And look at this save and look at that save. And I'm like, he just bought them some time. He got them through another first period. This is great. And I'm like, I'm all in. All chips are in the middle. <laughs> and then we go to the second intermission, and it's 4 2. Uh, you can't get those chips back. And I'm yeah. Like, um, I, I, I hope everybody was late getting to the. the <laughs> this is one time where like, what am I going to say now?
2: <laughs> in my defense, I was foggy in the last <laughs> <Yeah>, intervention. <yeah. laughs>
1: Blame the morphine uh, <laughs> uh, on, on, on my analysis last night. Uh, so, I wanted to come in with this idea though. Kay. Do you consider last night and Chapman? Give me your thoughts. Was last night a win? I know the result was a loss. Mm-hmm. But was last night a win, a push, or a loss? And why I ask that question is because you, you did a bunch of things right. Scored five goals. Uh, power play scored a couple. You got two uh, shorthanded goals. Like, how in the world did you ever not walk out of there with two points? And Mark Stone returned. And, yeah. and it goes, it like, Mark Stone just returning, to me, feels like a, a victory. So I, I'm curious from the mccormick and and chapman let's start with you brian was last night a win a push or a loss
2: i called a push enough went well and pete DeBoer said afterwards you score four or five goals you should win yeah so in that sense you could say okay it's a loss you know write it off every now and then you play well and you don't get the result that you want uh certainly a couple of goals that they i think the jamie drysdale goal is as pretty as it was in in action is a, a, a one that what that Robin Larry wants back, I would no. think, just in terms of just how he came across. You. The goalies want all the goals all back. All the goals back, of course.
1: <laughs> I got news for you on that
2: one. <laughs> I'll leave that one out there. But having said that, you know, I think what I took away from last night and we're kind of seeing more of the, the validation that goes day by day by day in this division is over the summer there was so much discussion about, okay, well, the Pacific isn't that tough. Right. The Pacific is tough, and the reason why, and I think the Kings demonstrate this a little bit as well, the rebuilding processes for some of these young teams, they're ahead of schedule. <laughs> and yeah. Trevor Zegers is, is as advertised. Jamie Dreisel is as advertised. But you almost forget that for the for the Ducks, this rebuild process is a couple years old already. And Troy Terry is the fruits of some of that labor. Fifth round pick. And, and you know, it, 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 what what he's doing now, even in the beginning, you say, okay, he's got great numbers. But, you know, Getslav's assists are through the roof, too. Right. All right, well, he does it without Getslav, too, apparently. <laughs> but... This is a, a Ducks team that's good. It's a Kings team that's good. And they're, and they're not good to the point that they're cup contenders, but they're good to the point of they're going to be a tough out. And now you have a Pacific Division, San Jose thrown into that mix too. You've got really good Edmonton, really good Calgary, really good Vegas at full strength. And then you've got a handful of teams that are on the way up and are already tough outs. And so I take away from last night, VGK didn't get two points. Disappointing, but it happens sometimes. Did a lot of good things. Mark Stone coming back and finishing the game is massive because otherwise you're holding your breath all the way into yeah. today and tomorrow. Um, but at the same time, you got the discovery of, well, why didn't we get two points? It's because we realize there's a, a lot of teams in this division that if we're not, I don't want really to say perfect, if we're not complete, it's going to be hard to get two points every night. And that's something that we're getting day-by-day day confirmation that it's not a fluke. It's, it's a reality.
1: If Mark doesn't return, we open up the show with a different stone so uh, that, that, that's, that's how uh dramatic uh yes. that that angle
2: is. Luckily <laughs> today the most dramatic stone injury to speak of was yours <laughs> it was
1: mine. Uh, Chapman, where where are you in the in the win even though you lost a uh, push and or
3: loss. Well, it's not a win, that's for sure because when I when I look at the fact that they 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 lost basically the game winning goal was a shorthanded empty net goal. Yeah. Um, that that was kind of strange didn't have to that me. In your pool? No, I did not. That that was really strange to me. Um, <laughs> you know, I I look at who didn't play for the Ducks, and then I say you gave up six goals to a team that did not have um, Gibson. Uh, no, no. Well, Gibson <laughs> would, wouldn't wouldn't have factored into the scoring for the Ducks. At least I hope they not. But, shoot. But you know, they, they they didn't have Getzlaff. There was no Max Comtois, who uh, of course is on that VGK killer team. Yeah. A guy who always seems to just step up his game when when they play. Uh, you gave up six goals to that team. Look, Troy Terry, obviously having a phenomenal season. I thought you know they they, they got some really good performances from from some of the other players. Ricard Raquel is a guy who I, I think always seems to play well. Uh, Jamie Drysdale, as you mentioned, maybe ahead of schedule. Look, the, the the problem is you you have now fallen out of a playoff spot, which is is fine, right? You still have plenty of, of runway to go, but when you look at the teams behind you that are chasing you, Colorado, Winnipeg, two really good teams. I do think the Golden Knights will, will find a way to get there. Well, but,
1: don't you think those teams will too? Well,
3: yeah, yeah, that's that's what worries me. Because what if the Ducks are for real? Like, what if what if they're not just a team that's overachieving? What if they're legit? What if they're legitimately a playoff team? Now you have another team that, that you're behind. And I, I, I look at these interdivision games where... where
1: four and four vegas inside the division yeah
3: and that's that's kind of scary to me and look I, I i understand you've got a lot of guys out still you've got a lot of guys who've missed a lot of time
1: full panic from chapman right now. No, no, no 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 it's not it's not it's <laughs> full not full
3: panic. panic but i would say it's concerning because it's losses and back-to-back games against teams in your division and in both of them they were there for the taking and it was the little things that you didn't do that probably cost you, like the, like I'm, I'm trying to think of the, of the of the who scored the goal where Yanmark seemed to to just allow the guy all tons of space, and then it was I think the that, uh, the Manson. It may have been the Manson goal where
1: where we thought uh, the that was tipped in front.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. that that yeah. was it, and then I think it was the well, that was the, a fluky goal too. The, the the fourth goal maybe the fifth goal oh. where I'm watching Ben Hutton and Zach Whitecloud and neither one of them picks up the player streaking down the middle of the ice, and. He, he he has a pretty open look, and, and he ends up beating Leonard. There were some little things. I mean, even you're even not
1: panicking. Like
3: no, I don't no, no, to no, see but, you but,
1: when you are panicking.
3: Well, yeah.
2: The the the. It sounds like you are coming to a very similar conclusion that I did, which is just that you know we learned more last night. Not you know the VGK did enough to win. It's just that the teams around them in this division are stout. Yes. And if you leave room, they they are going to capitalize it. We have even mentioned Sonny Milano in this yeah. equation too. It's, yeah. It's, it's it's a Ducks team that for the last couple of years. John Gibson's been great, and it doesn't matter because the team doesn't score to make a difference. Yeah. And Gibson wasn't in last night, but regardless, he's still him, if not the best version of him we've well, seen so far. The made some great saves. For, sure did. At, at, for like a guy who gave up five yeah. goals. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> and so, with that, though, you now have a team that actually can score. You know, this is an Anaheim team. Not, well, don't overly pump their tires either because. Uh, they blew a lead in L.A. Uh, the night prior. You know, it's just it has the feeling of a Wild West Pacific Division right now, which is fun. Um, but it 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 makes you realize that there are going to be nights where if you don't have your A game, you can still come up with a win. If you come up with your C plus game, you're going to be in trouble. And and for the silver for the gold knights last night, you know, it wasn't the best defensive hockey game either way, and it was a, a Ducks team that had just enough firepower. And you, I think it's correctable though.
1: Like the the, the mistakes that, that Vegas has made the last couple of games, I think those are correctable. Oh, well, for sure, the, this team, this veteran group, is is very uh, strong on when they don't have the puck. That if if you were losing five one and you weren't able to score goals, I'd be I'd be more concerned. But the the offense was very encouraging. The power play, hundred percent, really encouraging.
2: And that's why I say for last night, push you don't... Know. Kind of write it off. It's it's a game you didn't get the results you want. I think Ducks fans would have a lot more to feel good about than VGK yeah. fans would have to feel bad about. It's just the reality of, it's a stouter division than we thought three months ago, and we had a better idea going into last night, but it it was validated. It's it's good young scrappy teams that a uh, division on the rise. It was weird. Like, both both goalies gave up five. Chapman. Yes.
1: Uh, the 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 winning goal, and 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 Anaheim surrenders, goes zero for three in the power play. And gives up two shorties, uh, as as Vegas then adds to it and scores a couple on the power play, uh, and the winning goal is scored into an, an empty net. Now I'm like, I, I can't I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been more made of uh, the the fact that Vegas played with an empty net. No, I'm, I'm going to
3: ask. <laughs> you, Go ahead, Jeff, yeah. I'm going to ask you, Darren, because I, I want I want Pete to be angry at you. I want him to come find you when when the team gets back from Arizona. But what did you think of the decision to to pull Leonard? Oh, late, I late in the game. All,
1: I was all over it. Absolutely, yeah.
3: In a good way or a bad way?
1: Oh,
2: I I absolutely think that he did the right call.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: made
2: made the right call. And this was—I thought this was fun because this happens often enough. It's a really fun analytical—if I had the numbers in front of me—but you know, it's it's almost like a baseball manager kind of decision we get to have in hockey. Where is okay? You you pull them. You have the six on four. We understand the value of that. Or do you leave it five on four, where you already have an advantage, and give the power play unit one goal around to? to try to equalize on their own you go with the numbers
1: but Pick the 6 on 4 but,
2: but are you giving them a minute 15 to score or you know the 5 seconds of turning the puck over and it's See, a two goal game and it's over you're
1: one of those people you're you're my dad i think it's right fun now, you're i th- absolutely <laughs> my dad right now thinking we've we've got the 6 on 4 and my dad's thinking, mm, we pulled him too early. They can ice the puck and put it in the net and not be penalized. And now we're going to be down two instead of thinking six on four.
2: Let's go for it. Let's score. Well, first of all, your dad sounds handsome. The second of all, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I'm saying I completely understand the six on four. I've seen, you know, it's yeah. it's what I see the majority of the time. And this, it's not like this is a foreign situation. Yeah. But it's always going to be a fascinating one where I'm sure I would think every coach is kind of like, Okay, it, it's almost like you have to go give it a little bit of, of credence to momentum. Do but I? Did you know? Do I trust my five on four right now?
1: Pete didn't pull the goaltender Leonard until they got won the faceoff, mm-hmm. and then he took him out. And you I see. I, and I thought he would he would take him out right away. Uh, I was that much uh, in favor. I've I've talked to John Cooper about this. Yeah. Uh, who Pete will work with uh, for Team Canada at the Olympics, uh, winning gold uh, in Beijing. Just think amongst yourselves about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but we, we, I've talked to John about when the right time is to pull the goalie for the extra attacker. And he said that he's got his thoughts, and then the analytics information has its information. Mm-hmm. The analytics say, and this is John's words, and I'll paraphrase, like nine minutes to go. Pull, pull your goalie. <laughs> like, as, as soon as you c- can do it, and he's half joking, but half serious. Like as as soon you don't wait for for a minute and a half anymore, mm-hmm. uh,
2: it's it's two minutes,
1: it's four minutes, it's five minutes,
2: and if that's what the math says in that scenario. That's the math. then then it must be exponentially in favor of six on four with exactly. a minute
1: and a half to go. Exactly. Yeah. Chapman, when when would you like? Did you like the decision to take Leonard out?
3: I I. Absolutely agree with it. I think the more players you have on the ice during the power play, and look, I'm not really a big analytics guy. Like I know, and I I understand that there's a lot of people who are. I I just think
1: spell analytics.
3: No, I probably can't either. I I I, can. I'm just one of those show off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Where's the Y go in it?
3: The middle. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I believe it's A N A L Y T I C S. Google. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I could take the I believe off of it. It actually G-O-G-L-E. is O G L E. But I, I agreed with it. Um, you know, I know there's a couple different schools of thought on this, but I think the more the more players you have to potentially put the puck in the back of the net, especially with time running down. I, I, I don't know. I, I I know you don't practice it as much or ever, but I'm I'm a big believer in quantity when it comes to power play. And look, you you got guys who have the ability to put the puck in the net on this team. I think bringing Max Pacioretty back into the fold is, is huge for the power play. If
1: he hadn't scored there, he'd still be shooting. Yeah, <laughs> <If>
3: he was <he, laughs> he, shooting from the River Arena. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I do I do like
2: though, as you mentioned, you pull the goaltender after the face off is one, and it's not just for possession's sake. I think defensively, it's it's probably not that it's ever easy. But you'd rather see how they're set up with six men off the draw than have the goaltender pulled when you're already in the middle of chaos and then have to find where that guy came from.
1: Yes. Like the player coming off the bench is yes. trying to be hidden? Yes. I never thought of that. But, I think that's but, harder to deal know, with from you know, a defensive I, I, perspective. I agree. You see so many times where a player on, on a change will fly into the zone and nobody has has them picked up. Marked. I, I like. I like – having the goalie out off the face off because it gives you an extra player to attack to puck, win yeah. to win that puck battle. Yeah. That's that's where I like it. But that that's a great point. I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought of that. Imagine if they would have scored two power play goals, two goals shorthanded, and then if they would have tied it, two goals with the net
2: empty. Yeah. That's
1: true. That's a line.
2: So you know, what, for for all this, and not to tie everything back to the Silver Knights, but it's what I see the most of. Yeah, they had the the comeback win on Sunday where they scored four goals in eight minutes, and you try to analyze that and you say like, okay, it win push loss or for the VGK last night? It wasn't the result they wanted. It was fun. So good. Sometimes that's all you can take from it. You yeah. Know? I'm sure neither side is going to say like, okay, we're going to try to replicate this exact formula the rest of the way. It was fun.
1: Our play of the night last night was an empty net goal yeah. for a game winner. And and Lawless looked at me and went, really? Uh, why don't we do this or that? And Which, uh, I, under normal circumstances, I would have been right in. But I'm like, when are we ever going to do this again? Right. <laughs> Even though it's against the Vegas Golden Knights, when are we ever going to get a chance to show the play of the night is an empty net shorty for a game-winning goal?
2: And I'm sure the Ducks said when that went in, that wasn't when- things like, Okay, there's the nail in the coffin. It was probably We needed that cushion (laughs) And they proved it they did need that cushion in the end. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights uh, fall to the
1: Anaheim Ducks. They'll be back at it tomorrow night against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, The broadcast crew and the team have moved on to Phoenix, Scottsdale, Glendale uh, areas. And uh, they're they're not spread out all over the place there. But I'm just trying to mention as many (laughs) places as I can in in Scottsdale because I like to visit there every now and then. Uh, We're going to check in with Dan Duva, the radio voice of the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, as we continue. Plus Sam and Ash in the Legal Minute as Chapman wants to get off speeding tickets. I believe that's what he his his whole goal today is, without Ryan Wallace in the studio, Chapman's entire aim is to find a way for Sam and Ash to get him out of a speeding ticket. That's <laughs> the uh, Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas.
2: We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and
4: 1340 AM. It's all cold down along the beach.
2: Back on the VGK Insider Show with Chris Chapman, Brian McCormick here with you, filling in for Darren and Ryan, uh, and joined on the phone by Dan Duva, who's kind enough to join us uh, as we reassess last night in Anaheim and get ready for the upcoming contest against the Arizona Coyotes. Dan, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. Uh, Brian,
0: I can't believe you started talking over Bruce Springsteen and Santa Claus and Clarence Clemens there. It's unbelievable.
2: That's true, especially with a New Jersey guy on the line. I should know that that was irreverent of me.
3: you got a New Jersey guy back here in the studio as well. <laughs> That's right. Chris Chapman's
2: on top of things. It is it is Christmas time,
0: and Santa's coming down the boardwalk. you got to make sure Clarence had his saxophone taken care of there. Classic, classic Springsteen Christmas tune.
2: <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, Chris do you want to roll it again and I'll just keep quiet or we'll just save it for
3: later on <laughs> no, the show no, no, no we're we're good. I mean we got we got a lot of stuff we can get into there's
0: more, but... there's more Springsteen Christmas music in the can, I'm sure yeah you know what
2: that's I... not even the most that's not even the most offensive springsteen transgression I can I can claim to, Dan. <laughs> I, I went and saw Bruce Springsteen once. It was like 2009. It was a great show, and I was telling my parents about what a great show it was, and I kept going on and on about how good Clarence Thomas was on the saxophone. <laughs> 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 so you only make that mistake once.
0: <laughs> oh, no, adjudicating some important things on the stage, I'm sure. That's that's <laughs> wild. Clarence <laughs> Clemens, the big man, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, Can't wait to see the boss uh, when he gets back on tour again. Just uh, one of the great performers. You say great show. I mean, I I don't think he's ever done a not great show. And um, as Chapman will tell you, uh, it is an experience when you see the boss, especially in Springsteen Country, the Garden State, especially then in Asbury Park. Oh, I've been fortunate enough to see Bruce.
3: No, King. I'm I'm jealous of that. I've seen him down the shore, but never actually playing. I've seen him hanging out at Jenkinson's, which is a place you and I have talked about a couple there times. There
0: you down. go. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, you just occasionally
2: will stroll right into the Stone Pony or
3: you know uh, the places,
0: landmark theater or whatever it is. Yeah, legendary. Yep.
2: I saw him at Madison Square Garden. This is the uh, Bruce Springsteen nostalgia show with Chris Chapman, Dan Duva, Brian
3: McCormick.
0: I'm sure he's a Devils fan. They do play glory days after the Devils win. I I, I know for sure.
3: (laughs) One one of my all-time favorite videos when I was a child growing up, every time MTV played it, I was right there turning the volume up as loud as it could go.
0: That's right. I did the same thing when he told us to do so at the Super Bowl halftime show. It was at a buddy's apartment in Hoboken. And who said turn the... <laughs>
3: That's fantastic.
2: <laughs> this is all because I jumped in too soon at the end of the commercial break. It's... <laughs> <laughs> Never going to get to fill in again. Well, wh- while we have Dan on the horn, uh, let's look a little bit back to last night for the Vegas Golden Knights, a uh, 6-5 defeat in uh, in Anaheim, which was really just a, a run and gun affair for the latter two periods, Dan. Um, and for the for the Golden Knights, Pete DeBoer said after the game, you know, you score four or five goals, you should win that game. Uh, but for yesterday, Anaheim, it was a lot of the, the young guns who were driving things offensively.
0: Oh, yeah. And we knew it was going to be different. We got a taste of the Ducks when the Knights hosted Anaheim back in late October. You get to see Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegres and what Troy Terry is turning into now, 15 goals, which equals his previous career total of 15 in 129 previous games. And you could go down the list. So it's a different club. And you wonder if there's a little bit of, um, I hesitate to use the word, but I'll use it anyway, relief. Uh, within that organization, with Bob Murray having resigned, uh, you know, Bob Murray insisted on morning skates. You know, as the you know with the Golden Knights, sometimes optional skates on game day. Like you just wonder if there was um, you know some liberation for Dallas Eakins to do the sort of stuff that he wanted to do, and, and so on and so on. Anyway, it's it's really clicked for them. It's fun to watch the young players, uh, and it's also odd because the Knights have dominated the Vegas Anaheim series; it only lost once in that building it only lost three times to the ducks ever and by the way it happens against anthony stolarz from the great state of new jersey uh Jackson, and he new jersey was terrific he was he was fantastic uh and at six foot six he seemed to take up a lot more of the net than net. Uh, and the knights are trying to, to find that offense and, and come from behind as they have now nine times in a row either the knights have been up by two or down by two uh, or more, <laughs> and uh, and they, they fought back to make it interesting. But yeah, it's a different Ducks team. Uh, you, you can't give up nearly that many goals, it, it, not the way that the Golden Knights uh, like to play. Uh, and More honest brand of hockey, as Darren Elliott described and I thought that was a good way of describing it. Uh, and then when you score two shorthanded goals and two power play goals in the same game, I mean, that never happens. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, how many times has that ever happened and the team loses? I'd, I'd love to know. Maybe the people at Stats Inc. can figure that out. When's the last time a team scored two power play goals and two short handed goals and lost? I'd, I mean, it's got to be years. If, if I mean, that's crazy.
3: Yeah, it's funny you mention that, Dan, because there was a point last night until Vegas scored the two power play goals towards the end of the game where they had as many shorthanded goals on the season as they have had power play goals. Now they have seven power play goals and five shorthanded goals. It's just been that kind of season, hasn't it? Right. And and
0: the strength of the Golden Knights in the Pete DeBoer era has been, and even before Pete DeBoer was the head coach, but especially since Pete took the reins, has been the penalty kill. Not the greatest start, but it's got better and better. Uh, Different personnel has found itself healthy. And, uh, and how aggressive they are. I mean, it's not a coincidence that they're getting these shorthanded chances. Uh, they happen to be finishing on them, and you get two and one game, and that you know that's so uncommon. Uh, and that Zach Whitecloud would score one of them is even more shocking. but uh, there you go. And uh, I, you know, I think that when you take pride in the penalty kill, it, it does a lot for the rest of your game, that the five on five momentum and you know, some of those guys on uh, on the penalty kill are not the high-end, top-line players, but uh, they do the grunt work, and they take very uh, significant pride in the success on the penalty kill. You know, the best penalty killer's got to be your goalie and all the rest of the cliches. But uh, it has been the monkey on the back at the other end with the power play. And um, to finally break through, Pacioretty had four shots on that one power play, and finally one went in. And uh, and I, I wondered if uh, they hadn't pulled the goalie there in the last couple of minutes, what it might have looked like before the empty net shorthanded goal against. But uh, we'll never know.
2: With Dan Duva, the radio voice of the VGK, I'm glad you brought that up, Dan, because on the towards the end of the game, I was in the car driving home. I had you and Darren on the radio, and I thought that was a it's a great instance, one of the few times when we can almost compare being a <clears throat> a hockey coach to being a baseball manager in the uh, the strategy of it all, and you and Darren mm. we were discussing this. At that point in the game, <clears throat> and there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong answer per se, but you're on the power play, you're trailing by a goal, you pull the goaltender, that gives you the six on four, but also gives the Ducks the opportunity to put the game out of reach within five seconds. Do you give your power play that already has a statistical advantage, do you give them a shift to see if they can handle it on their own and then pull the goaltender? And and Pete DeBoer decided to pull Robin Leonard right away, but that was... That was an interesting discussion to me. Yeah,
0: the, the thought, you know, as you described it very well, Brian, when it happened, when Leonard went to the bench, I, I was not shocked, but I was kind of like, huh, I'm not sure about that. And, hey, the, the book, if you go through the numbers, I'm sure the, uh, the correct thing to do would be pull the goalie there. But the correct thing does not always mean the successful thing. And uh, to me, it's like you got to have a a pulse on things. I'm not trying to say Pete DeBoer doesn't have a pulse on things. Obviously, I mean he's he's uh, you know got the thirtieth most wins in NHL history, and I have zero, and will always have zero. But uh, it's just for me, it was the feel of the game. It was the feel of the previous power play. The Knights had this huge monkey on their back. Power play's been bad. They finally break through. They've been practicing a five on four, and somehow when you get a six on four. It's just not the same. You don't practice six on four very often, especially when five on four has been such a problem. So it's almost like, why wouldn't you continue building on what was, has been good power plays? right? The pre- like the one against Edmonton, they didn't score, but it was really good. Um, they, they had more good power play action, more puck movement. They seem to have figured something out. And then it's kind of like, why are you disrupting that? Um, And then, as you say, the the Ducks are going to play it differently. They can be more aggressive. Um, Now, obviously, (laughs) as we found out moments later, then Vegas scored at six on four with (laughs) with an empty net. But the game was uh, out of reach. They were down by two at that juncture. So it just seemed to me that having a feel for the game and, and knowing the situation, how it had unfolded, how we got to that point, I was looking forward to seeing Max Patch ready to get teed up for four more shots from the right wing circle. Because he's that good, and remember, it's Anthony Stoller's in goal. No disrespect to him, but he's not John Gibson. So uh, I would have liked to have seen that play out at five on four, and you know, maybe if it's down to thirty seconds, you know, you're really up against it, and it's not working, uh, then maybe you know you, you you go for the for the goalie pull. But they did it with more than a minute left. It was like a minute forty-five, I want to say, and uh, obviously it, it didn't work out. But again, that was that was sort of my gut instinct that in the moment, based on the feel of the game. Uh, but I, I think if you were to, you know, go through the numbers that, uh, you know, Pete makes the right call there, uh, you know, it, it generally, if you look at the numbers, it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, but it was my gut that <laughs> maybe could have gotten a, another approach.
3: Yeah, scary, scary moment last night, too, for, for Golden Knight fans. Mark Stone went down yeah. late yep. in the third period. Uh, he did come back. I'm just curious if anything further has come out from that today. You know, sometimes there's a, that old adage where you're always sore the next day, or it's worse the next day. But uh, just curious if anything has come out of that from from what you've been around today in Arizona.
0: Yeah, have have not heard anything official. Uh, Mark uh, did travel with the team here. I could tell you that. But beyond that, uh, there's not nothing not anything more I can add. Uh, probably encouraged that he did return to the game and traveled here. But um, they did not have a media availability today. It was very optional on ice for the go for those who wanted to go on the ice so it was not a a typical um practice type of day where we could get any additional information so uh, i presume therefore that we'll have a a full morning skate tomorrow and we'll see if number 61 is out there uh if he is it probably means he's gonna play uh if he's not then you wonder if he falls into the you know game time decision category but uh nothing new today uh since uh, you know the the obvious injury occurs, but then Mark returning to finish the game. Uh, and then Pete DeBoer's comments, as you pointed out there, Chris, nothing new so far today.
2: And, uh, of course you guys getting ready to face the Arizona Coyotes tomorrow. You alluded to this a little bit at the end of the game last night too. The idea that this is an Arizona team that has struggled mightily this season and they are still at the the very, very beginning of their rebuild process. But, um, Usually we think of a trap game in cor- in the course of okay things are going really really well don't overlook this opponent. It can also have the effect when you've dropped a couple as well that this is a game that the the VGK really have to have everything aligned and ready to go for.
0: Yeah, and they're, you know, they had a loss in Minnesota Tuesday meeting the Coyotes. They've got a weird kind of run where they don't play a ton of games here. They they play Vegas uh, of course tomorrow Friday, so they go Monday, Tuesday, but then don't play Wednesday, Thursday. Then they play Friday don't play Saturday or Sunday. Then they play Monday and then not again until Friday. It's just kind of weird how their schedule is laid out here. Mm. Um, But, but anyhow, so they they had that loss in Minnesota, but before that, they had a shutout win in Winnipeg, one to nothing. Who would have thought that? (laughs) So they, they only have two wins at home guys. Uh, It's a team that if you catch them on the right night, maybe, you know, the the planets align or something and, and they can put it all together, but you know, they're, uh, Thirty-eight goals underwater. They've given up eighty and only scored forty-two. I mean, (laughs) they're scoring fewer than two goals per game, and clearly the Knights are one of the stronger offensive uh, talents around. So it it ought to be a a kind of game where the Knights uh, win. But uh, like we said, that you know maybe Arizona finds a way to string something together here, Um, and uh, they've played a lot more road games than home games, and uh, they've also got. You know some injuries that they've dealt with. Uh, they've got two different goalies on the roster compared to uh, what we thought going into training camp. And Scott Wedgwood is here now, and uh, Vey Milka, who the Knights saw in the preseason, who was not even on the roster when the day started.
2: <laughs> and and wait, he had the he had the shutout in Winnipeg. You know, earlier in the week, exact, he stopped forty four yeah, shots exactly. for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's you know all kinds of franchise records here for the Coyotes and so on, and and so. Uh, they will not have a morning skate tomorrow, we are told, uh, the Coyotes. So we, we might not know exactly who's <laughs> going to be in the lineup. But, um, you know, Nick Schmaltz is uh, apparently not going to be available still and, and so on and so on, and Johan Larson as well. So uh, they, they're dealing with that as well. Um, and we'll see uh, how the, the Golden Knights handle it. From the Vegas point of view, Knights had not lost consecutive games since their 1-4 and four start. And really good teams make a point of not losing two in a row. And you're going to lose games. It happens. But you don't lose two in a row. Knights have now lost two in a row. So losing three in a row is flat-out unacceptable, especially given the opponent uh, and where it falls in the schedule that you have these divisional games, Edmonton, Anaheim, and Calgary, with this non-division opponent and a bad opponent in Arizona, the second-worst team in the league, uh, the Knights absolutely have to win. I mean, it, I, I don't know what will happen if they lose the game tomorrow, but uh, you could just get the feel from the group uh, on the traveling here to Arizona last night. Uh, despite the fact that they scored five goals and ended up losing by just one, uh, it was not a pleasant journey here to Arizona. So I would imagine that uh, they'll be ship for Morning Skate tomorrow, and we'll see what kind of group they put out there. If there are any tweaks to the lineup, if Stone can go, who might the goalie be? Um, uh, The two healthy scratches were Adam Brooks and Dylan Coglin? Do either of them get into the lineup, and if so, who might come out? So we'll try to find those things out tomorrow morning.
3: Yeah, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Dan, and and this will be the last one for me, but uh, this team has not lost two in a row since the very, very early part of the season, but a pretty important stretch of games coming up, obviously, tomorrow night against Arizona. But then you've got four home games. So how important are these next five games before you make that, that big East Coast road trip that they seem to do every season?
0: Yes. And given that Calgary and their terrific start to the year has not seen – the Golden Knights in a couple of seasons, you almost forget that they're in the same division. It's it's kind of nuts because there hasn't really been that much of a rivalry. The games have been spread out. There've been no playoff series. Uh, the the Calgary has been a relatively mediocre team with you know some ups and more downs since the Knights have come into the league. But here they are, um, one of the best teams in hockey in the Western Conference and Pacific Division. So. You're kind of looking to, to show off, hey, here's who we are, and uh, we'll get a taste of what the Flames have to offer uh, with plenty of changes there since the last time the, the Knights saw them. I think it, it is critical, not only in terms of the, the four-point swings. You win two, you prevent the other team from getting two, but just to say, like, there's a, <laughs> there's a two-time uh, division champion that you're going to have to face. It's been a while since Calgary had uh, a Pacific division uh, to itself without the Golden Knights, and uh, I think that there's there's um, there's the potential for uh, a feud to begin there uh, in the the purest of hockey ways that there could be a feud. So that, that should be fun, uh, and it's it's neat to have all these different division matchups and seeing how the division is changed and how it was Vegas and Los Angeles plus San Jose in the beginning, and then LA fell off. The Ducks were uh, had won the. The division the few previous years till the Knights came along, but they were bad. You know, the, the emergence of, of some of these other groups and the Oilers, obviously, with the talent they have, ought to be in the mix. And, uh, you know, then there's lowly Vancouver <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the expansion team Seattle, the new kids on the block. So it is an interesting division. The teams have performed better than I thought they would across the board. Um, we thought that maybe only three teams would come out of the Pacific. And uh, through a quarter of the season, it would be more than that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, it's a long way to go, but it's fun to see the different matchups within the division.
2: Yeah, I guess we're learning some of these regroup, uh, rebuilds going a little faster than we anticipated, but it makes for fun in the Pacific. And, uh, Dan, enjoy the other end of the desert. We'll be listening tomorrow night, and uh, we appreciate you hopping on today.
0: Brian, Chris, thanks very much, and uh, I'm sure you'll be turning up your Springsteen holiday tunes as loud as they'll go.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. At the very least, it's my act of contrition for what I did 20 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon, guys. Bye, Dan. Thank you. Dan Duva, the radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. We will step aside. More VGK Insider Show on the other side of the break on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show.
1: I took the whole last segment off just so I could be fresh for uh, Sam and Ash. It's the Legal Minute, 702-820-1234. Give them a call because you deserve what's right. They will take care of everything. Sam and Ash, uh, thanks for standing by as uh, Brian decided to uh, go along in that last segment. How are you guys? Sorry,
5: I'm great. No stress, guys.
1: Uh, so we got a couple of things we want to get to. One's a little bit on the fun side with Chapman, but uh, the other one is uh, serious. And uh, we, we saw this story uh, come out. We've been tracking it for a while now. And uh, Mattis Kevlevniks uh, is the goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And unfortunately, he lost his life in a fireworks uh, performance that went wrong. And it was at his goalie coach's house, uh, Manny Legacy, over the course of uh, last summer on July 4th. And they've decided that no criminal charges will be pressed uh, or assigned to during this case, uh, in the uh, in the incident that uh, that went so tragically sideways, it, it does. Does Manny and I'll be full, in, like uh, disclosure here. Manny and I are, are pseudo buddies, so uh, I'm, I'm not looking for advice for him. But I'm just curious. Like, does does he face any uh, civil uh,
4: liability in this? He very well might, <laughs> and um and and so you know, obviously, I will take you know civil responsibility over criminal responsibility all day long uh, in a criminal case you can go to jail and it's the state uh, or the county or the federal government depending which sovereign is, is filing charges against you they can they can take your freedom away and and they can levy a fine so in a civil case it's all about money and in this event he probably like so many of us has homeowners insurance and it would be a homeowners the homeowner's insurance is going to is going to step up in the event of a claim and 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 pay it. Um, so I, I, you know, it's it's very likely um, that uh, the family will here file a claim, and it's very likely the insurance company will pay something on it. Uh, and it's this just the whole story was so tragic and probably stupid and preventable. I again, I, I wasn't there. I don't know all the facts, but it, it just seemed like. Like a senseless, uh, senseless
1: death, Ash, we were just talking about this last week, where you almost have to take the emotion out of it, uh, if you're the Kiedlevnik family or the legacy uh, family, because you're while well, you're probably filing a lawsuit against the legacies you you're really searching for damages from a third party.
5: Yeah and so that's the the difficult thing here is there's a relationship there and it's always a delicate balance and Sam and I deal with this often you know you you're in a car with a friend or a relative and, you know, that relative, you know, they might get into an accident while you're in that car and then you're hurt, but you have all these damages and you've got injuries and medical bills, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, so you have to find a way to recover without ruining that relationship. And it is tough, but it's something that good lawyers are good at doing and it's uh, making it clear that, look, we're not trying to go after that person personally. Uh, you want to go after the insurance proceeds that are available to cover the loss, exactly what they're there for does the team potentially
2: have some liability here too it wasn't on team property but it was you know a employee the coach of one of the players it doesn't seem like they would but i wonder if that's uh how broad the scope could be
4: you know it's a great question and and typically right when you have a work sanctioned event uh you know in a, in a standard employee employer context there can be liability, and you certainly, look, if I was representing them and working on the case of the of the player, I, I would want to bring in the team, potentially, if, if I felt I could make a case there. Um, it'll depend, in large part, what the gathering was all about and where the invite originated from. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, if two people from, from work are hanging out outside of work hours, you a know, company typically isn't responsible for that, but if it's a work event and it's being put on by the boss you know or by a manager and, and it's work sanctioned and there's an there's a you know there's a, uh, a an understanding that the employee needs to go to that these type of events in order to advance his career her career then you know then that, that now lends itself to some amount of liability there uh, on, on the part of the, of the business and on the on the organization so i th- those are all relevant facts
1: uh, Manny's daughter was uh, married that, that weekend, so that's sort of why uh, everybody was uh, was in town. Uh, let's switch gears, and uh, and Chris Chapman, to, he was so much looking forward to, uh, to having the entire segment <laughs> with you guys because his dear old mom, 70-year-old <laughs> Mrs. Chapman, got oh. nabbed for speeding the other day. And oh. Chapman wants to find a way to save Mrs. Chapman a little bit of dollars.
3: Yeah, well, maybe not necessarily. Just see if it's worth or if she has the ability to fight it. So... Uh, She picked my son up at school, and she made a left turn over by the Meadows School from Hill Point. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with that area, but the Meadows School, there's the school zone. And it's about 3.30 in the afternoon when she picks him up. Now, when she's making the left, the sign directly in front of her says school zone when lights are blinking. The problem is the sign directly in front of her is not one of the signs that blinks. It's over to the left, mm. and when I went to that intersection, oh, I, I t-
1: did his own investigation. I, I
3: took a picture. <laughs> I, I took a picture of it, and from my car, the sign that's blinking is obstructed. If you are making a left turn onto Rampart from Hillpoint Road over by the Meadow School, so she she didn't realize she was in the school zone. She's going 37. The speed limit's normally a 35. CCSD police pull her over and give her a ticket for going 37 and a 25 in the school zone. So she's obviously. Get out. That,
1: ask them what you want yeah, to ask. So,
3: so <laughs> is is it something that she has the ability to fight? Can she fight it? Should she fight it, or should she just basically have it reduced down? Her, she doesn't care about about paying it. She just doesn't want the points on her ticket.
2: She also had uh, the the back windows were tinted, and she was yeah. blasting Twisted Sister on the radio. I don't know if that factors in.
5: She was in a Formula One car. Yes, 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 she was driving like
3: Lewis Hamilton. But figures the Long Island guy would bring up Twisted Sister.
4: <laughs> you know. I'll, also, the short answer is, of course, she can she can fight it. And and it and look, you know, you need to have when it comes to traffic signs they need to be clear there's a requirement that they're legible uh, and that they be visible and and especially if they're changing conditions right otherwise it it's deemed to be a, a trap and to be a, a type of a of a of an of a area that can you know can lead to um, unjust ticketing so yeah there there may very well be grounds to to fight it one thing i'll note is if it's look if it's all about just not wanting the points on the record. Certain infractions, including speed in Nevada, you you can opt to pay more to have the points not on your record. And this is a this is this is a classic Nevada. No idea. Thing, right? Where you, you basically it's a it's a legitimized bribe where the state collects more money from you in exchange for not screwing you over with your insurance. Hmm. it's a racket, but your mom should look online, you know, put in the code for her ticket and and see if she's got that option to do that. Okay. Because that could just be a quick off-road here. And unless it's some, it'll depend on the type of ticket and fraction, how much she was over. But here it's not, not that big. And I, my one speeding ticket in Nevada happened over by the airport, which you know, is a big speed trap. All of a sudden it goes real slow in that, damn tunnel yeah and um <laughs> and i did not i you know because if you go that slow in the tunnel people actually will run you over um, yeah. because no one goes 30 miles an hour whatever it is so i was speeding uh and i i you know i didn't want to mess with the whole thing and i because i was speeding and there i didn't have it out and i just did pay a, a few extra dollars to make sure it didn't go on my record
1: ash you're a speedster
4: no, no. no. You know
5: what's funny, guys? <laughs> my my entry into the legal world was me fighting a speeding ticket in college. Really? And I got I was going eighty five in a fifty five in Pennsylvania, <laughs> and got oh my gosh! I got pulled over, and I was like, "This is going to be brutal. My parents might kill me." This uh, life was good as I knew it, um, but yeah, I I took it to court, and I went up to the officer and said I wanted to plead down to a non-moving violation. And he laughed at me, and then they went to the judge, and the judge knew me because it's a small town. And he was like, okay, we'll do it. So, yeah, fighting, I love fighting speeding tickets, especially if you have a good excuse. Um, I didn't in my case, but it worked out. But I think if your mom, she's got a legitimate claims and legitimate grievances, so I, I would fight it.
3: Okay, I, I will let her know. And by the way, I've driven through Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The, the you did have a legitimate excuse. You had to get right? out of there.
5: <laughs> yeah, Whoa. I'm like you put a California kid on a yeah. two lane highway with nothing in front of it. I'm gonna go 85. Yeah, the PA
3: Turnpike is the worst.
5: Yeah.
2: I just like the non-moving violation. The judge determined that you were not moving at 85 miles 85 an hour. 85 miles an hour 55 <laughs> zone. That was the fastest stationary thing I've ever seen. The,
1: that's
5: I know. Right. It was great. I Ladies want to tell you the full unabridged version of this off-air, though. So it's great. That's why you hook up with <laughs> Sam and Ash,
1: uh, because because they can do things like that and, and, and make it work. Uh, who's going to win the world championship, uh, Ash, just in case I don't get a chance to check back in with you?
5: Ooh, you know, I'm thinking Max. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm, I'm still going with You don't? Lewis.
5: You think Lewis yeah. is going to – you think Hamilton's going to pull it out?
1: I think he's going to find a way. I think he's going to find right. a way.
5: Maybe we'll have to make a wager.
1: Okay, I, I'm fine with that. He's going to have to do more maneuvering than uh, the grandma Chapman there uh, in, <laughs> in, in the school zone, though. Uh, 702-820-1234. If you guys are looking for a new PI, Chris Chapman. It sounds like he's got all the makings uh, to make it work out there, investigating the uh, the school zone uh, speeding uh, area. Uh, we uh, love hanging out with you guys. It's the Legal Minute, uh, Sam. You be good. Uh, you come on my side with Lewis Hamilton, and everybody else can have uh, have match Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Done uh, and done. Be good. Uh, some some great stuff in there uh, between the Kevlevniks and then the uh, the speeding and uh, and trying to work your way around things because there's there's maneuvering. There's uh, ways that you can
2: massage it. And that
1: whole idea, did you know you could pay more to say the point? I've never
2: heard that before. Yeah. My parents are both cops. I should I should be aware of these things. No way. I Yeah. Apparently racketeers. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, wow. I, we gotta get into that. I uh, just, you, you definitely, you want to ask for your lawyer, though, for any speeding situation because, like, there's precedent now. Yes. Like, so I know of a case where someone going 85 didn't get a ticket, and then the, the judge says, well, what case is that? And if it's binding precedent, I I'm, think. I was right with
1: you, though, with the non-moving violation. Yeah. I'm like, how does that? If if she can work her magic there, all day long. I actually saw an accident right in front of me the other day, and, and uh, I said to my wife, that's why we have Ash's number right in our phone, because right away, boom, we can do it, uh, because everybody was all panicking with uh, with good reason. 702-820-1234, Ash law SalmonashLaw.com, because you deserve what's right. Our number two is
3: coming up. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at salmonash.com because you deserve what's right.